Welcome back to the Just Be Your Bad Self podcast, where you are enough just the way you are. I'm your host, Kimber Dutton, a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist who is on a mission to normalize the human experience in all of its messy imperfection. Join me as I explore what it means to feel worthy of love, to live wholeheartedly, and to lead an authentic life. Hi, and welcome back to the Just Be Your Bad Self podcast. I am starting this year out exhausted (laughs) and been really thinking about this podcast and my retreats and all the things I've been doing and contemplating how I want to move forward because I've noticed that even though I've got this message of you're enough, you're enough right now in this moment, just be your bad self, you're worthy of love, I'm not embodying that for myself as much as I would like to. And so this year for me is going to be the year of enough. I want to lean into this feeling of enoughness, that I'm enough, that I have enough, that I give enough, that my kids are enough, that where I live is enough, because I am tired of running all the time. And I think you can probably relate with this, that we are taught that happiness is somewhere out there. It's something to be chased, this feeling of enoughness is something we have to achieve. First, we have to become enough. First, we have to prove that we're enough. And then we can feel content and we don't have to run so fast. And I think the irony is that we're all chasing this thing, or we we think we're chasing this thing, this feeling. But in reality, what we're doing is we're running away from it. We think we're chasing it and we're running away from it. And I don't want to run anymore. I'm tired. I want to really just believe that I am enough. Whether or not I keep doing this podcast, whether or not I do a retreat, whether or not I am successful by the standards of the society we live in, I really want to embody this idea that I am enough now. I don't. It's not something I have to chase. It's something I have to sit with. And that's hard. (laughs) And it's not what we're taught to do. A few months back, I was meditating. My life coach, Mattia, taught me this strategy. It's kind of like morning pages. If, If any of you are familiar with this idea of morning pages, where you get up and you free write for X amount of minutes or X amount of pages without filtering yourself, that the only tweak on this one is that you do it as soon as you wake up, before you go to the bathroom, before you brush your teeth, before you get a drink, you, as soon as you wake up and your eyes open, you reach over, you grab a notebook and you start writing. And the idea behind this is that when our, when our subconscious mind is still active, we can get a lot of insights into ourself that we might not have access to when we're fully awake. And it's a very powerful practice. And I was doing this a few months ago now, and this particular day as I began writing, I it was like I could feel my inner critic wake up. It was like I caught it 
sleeping and it woke up <laughs> and immediately started criticizing what I was doing. And as I was writing, I just, I just started paying attention to this inner critic and asking it questions like, why, why are you here? How are you here to serve me? And as I began to ask my inner critic these questions, I, I began to understand that this inner critic was there to protect me, to keep me safe, to keep me from being vulnerable, that he, interesting that my inner critic apparently is a he, <laughs> he wanted to make sure that he criticized me first, or in other words, I criticize myself first before anyone else can, so that even if someone else does criticize me, I feel safe because, oh, I already criticized myself. I already know I'm bad at that. I already know I'm a piece of trash. You can't hurt me because I've already told myself that. And that it's a form of of protection. And as I kept writing, I, I wrote, it's okay to acknowledge your inner critic and even listen to what he has to say, but then you get to choose what to do with whatever he's saying. And, and remember that he views his sole purpose as the critic. So the critic is never going to not criticize. But that is one voice that I can listen to, get information from, and then choose to do that. And I began to send this inner critic love, like, thank you. Thank you for keeping me safe. Thank you for having my back and not wanting me to be hurt. But I'm, I'm a grown-up now, and I'm going to be okay, and you must be exhausted. You've been criticizing me to try and keep me safe from feeling vulnerable my whole life, <laughs> 33 years of nonstop criticism. And I got this now. You, you can take a break. You can take a rest. Thank you. And I thanked this inner critic and it was such a healing. It was such a healing thing that I thought, I wonder what other voices are in there that, that are there serving me or at least think they're serving me, but sometimes overcompensate and hold me back. And I began to kind of go on this journey through my mind. It felt like walking the yellow brick road and seeing different symbols that represented different parts of my psyche. And the next symbol that I came across was this shaking finger, the should, the shoulder, <laughs> saying, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. And I began to question, what are you here for? You know, how are you here to serve me and protect me? And I think this feeling of should is protecting me from the future, the consequences of, of my actions or my non-action. And it feels like never being present, always, always living in the future, feeling anxious, keeping track of this endless list of things to do. Okay, you should be doing this now. You should be getting up. You should be making the kids dinner. You should, you should be doing this. Should, 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 do, do, do. Anxiety, anxiety, guilt, guilt, please, please, you know. This is the shaking finger, the should. And I began to question, okay, what's, what is the should here for? And the should, where, where the critic was there to keep me safe from feeling vulnerable, the should is there to keep me safe from, from making mistakes, from disappointing other people, from feeling regret, from negative consequences, from disappointing myself. This should has a huge task. <laughs> that is a lot of stuff it has to deal with. And again, I sent it love. I said, wow, you've got to be 
exhausted, trying so hard to keep me safe from making mistakes, to keep me safe from feeling the disappointment of others, to keep me safe from making, from experiencing any negative consequences whatsoever. You've got to be exhausted. And you know what? I'm a big girl now. I am actually okay working through those feelings of disappointing others, of feeling regret, of learning from my mistakes. I'm tough. I can deal with that. You don't have to work so hard. I'm safe. You can take a break. And the next kind of figure, I guess, on my little yellow brick journey through my mind. And I should say, as I talked to each of these symbols, they softened. They were so relieved that I could see them and how hard they've been working and appreciate that. And I could feel them lightening up in my mind as I sent these parts of me love. And the next figure, the next place that I was on this little mind journey was I saw myself running this track just around and around. And there was a coach with a stopwatch. And I just kept running around this track. And every time I'd pass him, he'd give me my time and say, all right, this was your time. Now do it again. Do it faster. And I thought of that poem that I heard a lot growing up. Good, better, best. Never take a rest till the good is better and the better is best. And we got to keep going till you're the best. Keep running, run again, run again. And this coach's name was never enough. I kept running this track over and over. And every time he'd say, you've got to go faster. You've got to go faster. You can always do better. You can do better. You can always be better than this. Do it again. Do it again. And at one point I stopped and I looked at this coach, the never enough coach. And I said, what, what's the point? Why are we doing this? And he said, to please the never pleased, to see her smile, to have the never pleased celebrate you and hug you and say, you did it. And this never enough coach was coaching me because he knew how badly I wanted to please the never pleased. And I asked the coach, can the never pleased be pleased? And he immediately said, no. And I, I was kind of lost because all of these other figures in my head, the, the critic, the should, the, this coach, I was able to recognize how they were serving me and send them love for that. And then they would soften and, and lighten up. But I didn't know what to do with this never pleased. And, and in my head, the figure of the never pleased looked like the cartoon, the Disney cartoon Cinderella's stepmom with, with her dark hooded eyes and her folded arms just scowling. And I was stumped. I didn't, okay, I can't please the never pleased. Honestly, I don't know how to love the never pleased. And I thought it was curious that she took the form of Cinderella's stepmom. So, story of Cinderella. The prince throws a ball. He sends out an invitation to all eligible young women in the kingdom and says, come to the ball. I'm going to choose my bride. And Cinderella sees the letter and says, oh, I'm going to go to the ball. And her stepmom says, no, no, no. You don't get to the go to the ball unless you have all of these tasks done. And she gives her an impossible list of tasks to do, knowing that there's no way Cinderella can get done in time to go to the ball. 
but with the help from some little mice friends, Cinderella does everything her stepmother asks, plus manages to make a dress for herself in time to go to the ball. And when the stepmom sees it, she she still says, no, no, you're not good enough to go to the ball. You don't belong there. The dress gets ripped up. Cinderella is left crying, her dress in tatters as her mom and stepsister, her stepmom and stepsisters go to the ball. And then her fairy godmother comes and says, you get to go to the ball. You're enough. You never even had to complete that list of tasks to begin with. You were already eligible to go to the ball and you get to go. And I will sprinkle my fairy dust on you for a little bit so that you can feel like you belong at this ball. But even without my magic, you get to go. You belong there. And Cinderella never does anything terribly bad to her stepmother. She ends up at midnight. The magic disappears. And for a while, she ends up in the same place she started, trying to please her stepmom. And then in the end of the story, even in her tatters and looking like a house servant instead of like a princess, she realizes, actually, that glass slipper does fit my foot. I, that is the life. I do deserve that life, even as I am. And she chooses not to care what her stepmom thinks anymore and step into that place of enoughness. All of this to say, I am at that point where I don't want to depend on a fairy godmother to come down and say, you are enough. I want to be my own fairy godmother. I want to really believe that I don't have to run that track faster. And I want to not care so much what the never pleased thinks. I want to be able to accept the fact that that never pleased, that stepmother figure is, is not, she's not going anywhere. She's not going anywhere. She will always be there, no matter what. No matter how hard I try, no matter how fast I run, you cannot please the never pleased. And I want to stop trying. And I want to just go to the ball. <laughs> I put a TikTok video up, I don't know, last week. I, I discovered something that I never knew before, which is that if I use both my hands at the same time, I can draw symmetrically. I, I can write with both hands. And I was so shocked by this discovery that I posted a video of me drawing a, a little cat with both of my hands. And it's a crappy drawing. Like my seven-year-old draws better cats than I drew on this TikTok video. But that wasn't the point of the video. The point of the video was, oh my gosh, look, did you know you could do this? Or am I weird? Is this normal? And I just thought it was interesting. And the next day I hopped on TikTok and I had a few comments on this video. It didn't go viral or anything, but I had a few comments from strangers on this video and they were so mean, so mean. People saying like, yeah, I could draw better than that with my feet. I, yeah, I can draw that badly or, you know, just commenting on how horrible of a picture it was, which, you know, my inner critic already told me it wasn't a great picture. I knew. <laughs> That that wasn't the point of the video, but reading these comments really made me feel bad about myself. Oh, why did I post that video? You're not good enough to post anything online. You should have known this would happen. I wanted to take the video down. I was so embarrassed. 
And luckily I've been doing this work long enough to sometimes remember to slow down and breathe and work through these feelings. And I meditated on this for a few days, this feeling of, oh, Kimber, you're so embarrassing. Why do you try? You should never put any anything on TikTok, anything on anywhere. You should just quit and go hide in a hole somewhere where no one can see you because you're just such an embarrassment. This, these are the thoughts that my inner critic, all these things were telling me, right? They, because they want to keep me safe. They don't want me to feel that feeling of other people being critical and, and me feeling like I'm a disappointment to everybody. And it was really good for me to sit with this for a few days and realize what they think really doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter. I wasn't even doing that video to say, Ooh, look, I'm a great artist or whatever. I will say there was a part of me that wanted to comment and be like, have you made thousands of dollars off of your art? I bet not. So stop commenting on mine. <laughs> uh, but again, that was just a protection mechanism. And the truth was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great cat. Anyways, oh, I get distracted so easily. I really had to sit with this and think, can I hear comments like this from people? These people representing the never pleased, right? And can I still feel like enough the way I am? Or do I have to go into this proving mentality, right? This, well, I've made money on my art. I bet you haven't. Or, or, well, I wasn't trying to draw a good cat. I can draw a good cat and show them that I could draw a good cat. This immediately, that's what I wanted to do is prove, no, I am worthy of love. I am worthy of love. But could I sit with, instead of trying to prove myself, could I sit with this negative feedback from others and still love myself and still really believe I'm fine the way I am. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to change anything. I'm worthy of love. And, I, and that's the work. That's the work that I want to do with myself this year. <sighs> and it's not easy work. <laughs> and I don't know what it's going to look like. I think for me, this podcast is such a great tool. This podcast is not about me proving myself to anybody. I foolproofed it by naming it Just Be Your Bad Self. And as long as I don't get distracted by other podcasters and people who say, do it this way and you can make money and blah, blah, blah. I think this podcast is going to continue to be a great tool for me and I'm going to keep putting it out. I'm going to work on not feeling the guilt of not being consistent with it, um, of letting whatever I do with this podcast be enough, of letting whatever feedback I get from this podcast be enough, and, and letting whatever happens, you know monetarily with whatever this is I'm doing be enough. I'm, I live in a place of privilege where I am not, I, I do not need to monetize what I do out of necessity. Um, and I'm, and I'm lucky that I'm there, but because I'm in that place of privilege and where I don't have to make money off of what I do, I want to try really hard to not feel like I have to make money to prove my worth either. And that's a harder one more thing I want to talk about before I wrap this episode up, and that is this idea of masking. One of the last episodes on, on the last season of the podcast was about taking off the mask. And I talked to my friend Cray about something that a lot of neurodivergent people do. So people like me who have ADHD, people who are on the autism spectrum or struggle with a variety of mental health disorders 
we do something called masking, which is we pretend like we're just like everybody else. And we do whatever it takes so that people don't notice that our brains operate differently than everybody else. And just last night, I, I realized I was talking to my husband and I realized I, well, let me go back. I've had the opportunity to travel this last month. I, I went to Germany. I went on a, a cruise with my family and I shared a room with my friend in Germany. And then all five of us were in a little teeny cruise ship cabin for nine days on this cruise. And it was super interesting to me that I was fine because I'm someone who really, really values her solitude. I've gotten daycare for my kids so that I can do my podcast, so I can do these other things and not be surrounded by kids and family all the time. I really, really value my solitude. And so it was really interesting to me that, that for pretty much over two full weeks, I didn't have more than a few minutes of alone time at a time. And it didn't bother me. I was fine. And I was contemplating that. And I thought, you know, I don't think it's even so much that I need to be alone as much as it is that when I'm not alone, I feel the weight of everybody else's expectations of me. And I feel like I have to meet those expectations 24 seven. And when I'm on this cruise ship, someone else is cleaning the cabin someone else is feeding us. I can just be with my family and enjoy that. And I didn't need to be alone. And I realized, I think I've been masking my entire life. I think I've been constantly feeling like, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to act. Therefore, uh, to to, to be accepted by people. And so always running, always trying hard, getting the straight A's, you know, lately starting a million businesses or, or mm, doing retreats, getting the Instagram followers, keeping the clean house, having a meal schedule for my family, getting the kids to school on time. All of these things for me are an attempt. They're, they're me running that track, trying to prove that I'm enough. My natural state, if I could just be me, I'd be doing this podcast 24 <laughs> seven. I would be thinking, I would be journaling, I would be painting, I would be making music, I'd be reading, I'd be laying in bed, I'd be laughing. I'm freaking hilarious when I'm not under a ton of stress, but I've learned that that part of me isn't acceptable to a lot of people. And that's not how you get praise and that's not how you get validation in this society. In this society, I'm expected to have a clean house, have put together kids, wear certain clothes, do my hair a certain way, wear makeup, please my husband in certain ways, be involved in society in certain ways, take my kids to extracurricular activities, and on and on and on and on and on. And that's all a mask for me. I don't care about any of that stuff, honestly. Like, it's nice to have a clean house. It's nice to eat food. If I didn't feel like I had to care about those things just to survive minute to minute, I wouldn't. And that takes so much energy out of me every day to pretend to be that person that has it all together, that I don't have the energy 
to do anything else but pretend to be that person. And I've noticed in the moments when my mask can come down, when I don't have to constantly be worrying if I'm doing the right thing that everyone expects me to do, I, I don't struggle with depression then. <laughs> I don't struggle with anxiety. I don't feel like I have to, that I'm doing something wrong. The trick is loving myself enough that when I disappoint others, when I take off that mask, I can still be there for myself. I don't know. I don't know. It's something I'm going to be working through this year. And so <laughs> that is why I say this is my year of enough. I don't entirely know what that's going to look like yet. Maybe some cocooning, maybe not retreats, maybe less podcasting. Maybe I decide to homeschool my kids. Maybe I read a lot of books. Maybe I get off social media. I don't know. But that's what I want for myself this year. Enough. I just want to stop running so fast. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this long drawn out podcast episode. I hope, I hope some of this resonated with you. And if it did, let me know. I really want to know. Reach out to me. You can email me at Kimber at KimberDutton.com. You can find me on Instagram, although I am very seriously considering getting off that platform because it is not good for my mental health. Uh, if, if you know me, call me, text me. I would love to hear from you. I still am going to go ahead and move forward with this idea of the void. Um, so if that's interesting, if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to experience this year of being enough as well, along with me, reach out to me and I'll send you some more information about what the void is going to look like. It's going to be some one-on-one -on -one work with me as well as some group discussion and work and community. And when I say work, the work we're doing is learning how to love ourselves the way we are. It's important work. So if that kind of work sounds interesting to you, if you, if you're longing to feel like you are enough, then reach out. This might be just what you need this year. I'd love to help you on the journey as I am on my own journey. Journeys like this are always better with company. So all right. Much love to you. And remember, you are enough right now in this moment. It's okay to just be your bad self. <laughs>